Search for your life's purpose. As you do so, you will have increased courage to pursue that purpose and pursue that journey. Take some time and learn how to plant deep roots in your life. Because as you do so, you'll be able to withstand the winds and the storms and the challenges that you may be confronted with on that journey. How do we do that? Well, we are going to be talking a little bit about that today. Welcome to the Family Health and Hustle Podcast, where sharing our stories, common experiences, and best practices about balancing family, practicing good health, and reaching your goals can help you feel supported, bring clarity, and guide you to the life you want. So if you're ready to challenge yourself, your health, and the hustle around you, then consider this your community. Now, let's welcome your host, Anthony Hernandez. Hey, welcome back to the show, my friend. I really appreciate you joining us today. Today, we're going to be talking about a very important topic that I think plagues most of us. And that is that when we're on our journey, when we're pursuing our goals or our passions, or when we're faced with challenges, oftentimes the biggest critic is ourselves. And that can be something that truly limits us, truly holds us back. And how do we get over something like that? There are going to be some of us out there inevitably that when faced with hard challenges we we simply take it on the chin woe is me and then there's going to be others that look at the situation and say okay this sucks but what can I do to overcome it what is this challenge what am I able to learn from it and I think that second one is is where the most power comes from but the problem is is it's so hard to have that mentality when you are in the middle of the challenge, when you are in the middle of the pursuit. How do we step back? How do we, how do we take a look at that? These are some of the things we are going to be talking about today with our next guest. I've been fortunate enough to, to connect with him and have some conversations and really kind of dive into how he's helping others get past these roadblocks that they've set for themselves. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with the author of Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow, How to Find Courage and Compassion in a Turbulent World. His name is Andrew L. Anderson. Now Andrew is first and foremost a faithful husband and devout father. He also, as I mentioned, Happens to be a widely sought-after, best-selling author, speaker, and coach. Since 2015, Andrew has taken his passion for coaching to over 700 real estate professionals. And they've learned how to break through limiting beliefs, transform their lives and their businesses, and find lasting freedom. He's driven by his life's mission, which is simple. To bless his brothers and sisters who are God's children, to live a higher level of spiritual strength, to influence as many as possible. And if you're feeling stuck or unsure of your next step personally, professionally, or in relationships, Andrew will lead you to break through, transform, and be free. So without further ado, Andrew L. Anderson. Hey, it's a pleasure. And we got to give gratitude to whoever's listening because they're the ones that we're really grateful for. Oh, 100%. I appreciate 
anyone that is willing to log in and, and listen and be a part of this community, I appreciate them so much because that's that's why we're here, right? Yep, that's right. Well, perfect. Andrew, so uh, I mentioned, you know, you are the author of uh, the book called Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow, How to Find Courage and Compassion in a Turbulent World. That's a powerful title. And I wanted to give you an opportunity. Obviously, you're someone who finds tremendous joy and fulfillment in helping others achieve the best life that they can achieve. And so I wanted to get you on the show and have you kind of talk a little bit high level, some of the principles that you have seen affect people and benefit people throughout their lives as you've gone across the country, the world, spoken to people, coached people. What are some of the things that you've seen that can really elevate people in their daily lives? Yeah. Well, I used to think as a naive young adult that everybody had their life mission figured out, like they knew why they were here and what they were doing. And I don't think it was until maybe my early 30s that I realized no one has a clue. <laughs> and I, then, I, I stopped judging others because I'm like, oh, they just, they just don't have this figured out yet. And I think that when you know why you're here and you know what you're doing, it just makes everything else so much easier. And we start off in chapter one of my book talking about being grounded. And I tell a funny story about getting grounded as a 10-year-old kid and and how being grounded doesn't have to be a bad thing. That when we're grounded, rooted in a life mission, we know why we're here and what we're doing. It makes everything else so much easier. And so the ability to get clarity on that life mission is where I start every reader of the book and my coaching clients as well. I can relate so much to that because the whole reason this show exists is because for a long time, I felt that I was... I was just kind of going with the flow yeah. and then I realized, Hey, I'm not, I'm not really happy with where I'm at. Right. And then I kind of thought, maybe I'm not the only one that's going through this. Maybe, maybe there's other people out there that have kind of just gone with the flow and now they aspire for greater things. They aspire to accomplish goals, but now they're having to deal with everything in life too. And, and that can be stressful. That can be, that can be very hard on someone. Yeah, they really can <laughs> for sure. So let me ask you this, as far as what are the biggest principles that impact people as you speak to them? As far as like, what's the, what's the hardest thing that you find that people have to overcome to live a fulfilled life and to, to really raise the bar in, yeah. in their own life? Well, I have found in the last decade coaching over 750 people at the time of this recording that everyone to some extent or another struggles with what I call imposter syndrome. You can call it identity fraud. It's just this, never feeling like enough, no matter how much I achieve in my business, no matter what goals I accomplish, no matter how hard I try in my family, in my marriage, everyone gets to this point where they just don't feel like they're measuring up. And that's, that's imposter syndrome. And it's really unfair because <laughs> you're measuring yourself against an ideal that no one else holds in their mind except for you. And so when we can get ourselves rooted in a life mission, and recognize that that is our true north. And if we are moving toward the fulfillment of that mission, then anything else that we might be thinking about ourselves or we're thinking about what other people are thinking about ourselves, doesn't matter. We're either fulfilling the mission or we're not. So that principle of overcoming the imposter syndrome and knowing that we're moving in the direction of everything that we were meant to do is pretty empowering. Do you think in your book, you the title is How to Find Courage and Compassion in a Turbulent World. Do you think that 
the lack of courage is because of that? Maybe because people don't know exactly what they want to do in life? Yeah, definitely. That word courage is fascinating. I'm kind of a word nerd. If you write a book, you become one. Like words become very meaningful because you literally, (laughs) you go over and over and over and over every word that's in the book. And I picked the word courage on purpose. The word courage comes from the French word cœur. And cœur in French means heart. So courage is of the heart. And a lot of people are talking themselves out of things in their head that their heart knows to be true. And when we can quiet that voice in our mind and follow what our heart knows to be the absolute best for ourselves, then we get rooted, we get grounded like the oak tree. And that's what makes an oak oak so strong and powerful and such a hard wood that has an incredible amount of longevity when it comes to its life. And it's that it gets to a taproot and that taproot gets to a source of water before it ever sends out any horizontal roots. So a tree is strong in that it has a pretty wide horizontal root system that can go two to three times the size of its canopy. But the ones that live the longest have an even deeper and a further vertical root that ties to a source of water. So whereas a willow tree's source of water will be on the banks of a a pond or a river, it doesn't have as deep of a root system as an oak, which drives it uh, all the way down. So having that life mission, finding what's in your heart, and then being grounded and connected to it provides that courage to overcome the things that may normally just throw you off course. So you use two different trees there in the title of your book. What's you know, you just mentioned the oak tree. Right. I, I think of the oak tree as being firm, yeah. steadfast, you know, very, what's, obviously that's the strength of the oak. What about the willow? Where does that strength come from and how do we apply that into our lives? Yeah. So the strength of the willow. So we've, we talked about courage and compassion. So oak is the courage. The willow is that compassion. It's the willingness and the ability to bend without breaking. It's the ability to allow life storms to pass through you. And recognizing that if you lose a branch here or there, it's okay. A willow tree is resilient in that if a branch falls on the ground, all it has to do is literally stick into the to the soil and it can grow a new tree. So where it doesn't live as long as an oak, it's able to produce new life no matter what storms are you know going on around it. What I love about that concept is I think we live in a time where people... I mean, I think it's always been like this, but people see challenges not for their benefit, but something that they can't control, something that's being done to them. Sure. I feel like especially now it's, you know, like I said, it's always been like this, but I feel like now more than ever, it's kind of a woe is me. If if something is happening, it's it's not something I can work through or be refined through. It's something that I just have to take. And... I feel like it's doing people a disservice because they're losing an opportunity to, as you say, bend in the wind, adapt, right. you know, go through these hard things and better themselves. Would you agree with that? I most certainly, you mentioned something there that's really important and I want to, you know, really nail home that principle with a story. And I tell this story in my book, it's about a client and we will call her Jamie and Jamie came to me when her brother was diagnosed with ALS, which is Lou Gehrig's disease, where the, the, essentially all of the muscles in the entire body just, they stop working and, until they 
can't do anything. And about two years into this disease, as I was coaching her and working with her, she shared with me a really sacred, for lack of a better word, sacred experience that she had with her brother. And she had sent a text to him and he was at the point where he couldn't pick up a phone and text. And they had this incredible technology where they can literally look at a letter on a screen and select letters with the eyes to send text messages. And, and she had texted him the message saying, I am so sorry that you're having to go through this right now. And he texted her and he said, I wouldn't have it any other way. And she said, what do you mean? He said, I love you. And I asked her, I said, Jamie, this is an experience that some people might say is happening to them, right? This, we are victims of this disease. And I, I flipped that question and now I use it all the time. And I said, why do you believe this is happening for you and your brother and your family? And she said, well, that love that he expressed to me that day was not something that was expressed in that way ever before. And it's actually working miracles in our family that could have never taken place had he not have gone through what he's going through. And so she said, he doesn't want anyone to feel sorry because our family is healing as he is essentially dying. And I mean, I, when she's telling me the story, I'm in tears. And I, and I asked her, like, can I, can I share that story in my book about things happening for us rather than to us? And she gave me permission. And so if we can ask ourselves the question when we're going through adversity in times of trial and turbulence, why is this happening for me? rather than to me, then we can create new meaning, meaning that will strengthen us and build what I call in my book, stress wood. And stress wood is what happens only when there is turbulence. It's a, a strength in a tree that can't happen unless there is wind. And that's what we all experience in life. Thank you for sharing that. And, and to Jamie's brother, I mean, what a wonderful example, yeah. because a lot of times when you're going through those trials, it's so difficult to kind of step out of it and realize, you know, kind of see it from a higher level of this may be good for me. Right. right. And that's coming from someone that tries to look that way too, and, and try to see the benefit of, of these things that I might be going through these challenges. But sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it's, it's not easy. It's, you know, it's really hard as you talk to people, as you coach people, what are you finding maybe that people are doing to help them kind of step back from those moments of hardship and, and look down and say, not, not necessarily look down, but just look yeah. at it from a different angle and say, this is for me. This is for my betterment. Sure. Well, I once had a coach tell me that my superpower, and at the time I felt special, then I realized he was talking about like everyone's superpower. <laughs> and he said, your superpower, Andrew, is your ability to observe and have self-awareness as to what's happening. If, if we can't get to the point where we are an observer of what's happening in our life and we just feel like it's happening to us and we're a participant and we don't actually get to choose our own adventure in this life, then we do become a, a victim. And so when I can help a client become an observer, someone that's watching what's happening, almost like a, you know, an offensive coordinator in, a, in an American football game who's, who sees what's going on in the field can at the last minute 
you know, call an audible and, and call a new play and change the outcome, then we, we don't actually have, you know, control over our lives. It's controlling us. So that superpower is the awareness, the ability to observe and to make changes is what gives us choice and choice is what makes us human. So that's the superpower we all have. It's the choice, the awareness, and uh, to be able to observe what's happening and make those changes. Amen. Something that I find kind of helps me focus Mm -hmm. that I've discovered lately is I'm not a big writer. Obviously, I'm talking to an author, so I know you probably like to write. But for me, I'm not. And But there's a little bit of, for me, there's a power in sitting down and and writing things down. And Mm -hmm. if I'm going through a hard time, just taking some quiet time and writing down, okay, why might this be helpful to me in the future? What do I need to do or learn to overcome this challenge, whether it's a a physical challenge or a spiritual or or professional or whatever? And it almost calms me and helps me take that step back and, and like you said, become an observer. I don't know if you have something like that that you do or, but I feel like something, you know, there's always little things that you can do to kind of hone your attention. Right. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So we can observe and in, in, I've generalized in two different ways. And there are what we call extrinsic processors and intrinsic processors. Intrinsic processors will go internal, right? They will go into solitude, meditation, prayer, journaling. They'll go on a, a long run or a bike ride. That's an internal processor. And, and that, those are all great ways to do it. To be able to sit, like you said, and to journal and to just jot down thoughts, very helpful. I lean toward the extrinsic processor. If I can get on the phone or get in front of a friend or a sibling or my, my wife, and if I can just share what's going on inside, I can hear myself saying it. And I, I don't need them to actually do anything. I just need them to hold space and be a sounding board. So I can process externally what's going on internally. And so, you know, whichever one works for you, maybe it's a little bit of both. Those are very simple ways to become an observer and have that self-awareness as to what's really going on inside. That's awesome. I thank you for sharing that. Yeah. When you're writing a book like this, that's so deep, so powerful and in is helping so many people kind of find strength, yeah. find courage, right? in in an unknown world and and as they face challenges i find that typically someone doesn't write that type of a book or even can talk in a place of authority or compassion unless they themselves have gone through challenges Mm -hmm. so if it's okay i'd love for you to kind of share what what brought you on this journey that maybe at the time you were thinking this is you know this is hopeless this is where is this going to the point where you are now where you're actually turning it around and, and helping so many people through their challenges as well. Would you, would you mind sharing that? Yeah, definitely. So I talked about chapter one, grounded, being a 10-year-old kid and getting in trouble. You can read the story. It has to do, do with the uh, 49ers. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so that's a fun story. But I actually jumped from that story to 30 years later, or 20 years later, I guess, feeling grounded again in my parents' basement as a 28, 29, 30-year-old young man who is going through a separation that turns into a divorce, losing my career, and not being able to spend every day with my three little girls that I thought I would be spending every day with for at least 18 plus years of their life. 
And that time of my life, I call my dark night of the soul. And there is a choice to be made in those moments. And the choice is, am I, am I grounded? Like, you know, am I, am I being punished here? Like I can't fly, like literally like I'm, I have to, this is happening to me. Or is this a moment that's connecting me, grounding me to something that's more important and, and deeper that will give me a source of life, right? Like that oak tree being grounded and rooted in that water, that source of water. And I had a lot of moments of self-pity and an incredible amount of blame on my own myself and to my wife, my ex-wife at the time. And, and she, and, you know, I, I just took a hundred percent, to be honest, like I took a hundred percent of the blame. And, you know, now it's like, I recognize it's 50, 50, everything's always 50, 50, but I made a decision after reading Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. And if your listener doesn't know, Viktor Frankl survived three years of death camps in Auschwitz and other places in, in Germany and Austria. And he wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning, while he was in the prison camps. And he penned the words of that book in nine days when he came out. And he teaches more than anything that there are always choices to be made. He taught that the the men that would give away their last crumbs of bread to those that were dying, they they lived, even though they were giving away their sustenance. And he said the choice to live and to create meaning for your life, regardless of what's happening to you, is what allows us to to carry on and to move forward. And so when I read that book, literally in my parents' basement, I made a choice and I decided that I wasn't going to be a a victim, that I wanted to be a a victor like Victor Frankl. And I wanted to overcome my perceived imprisonment of that cell called my parents' basement. So that's where chapter one starts of my book. Wow. And how did you go from that moment to this transition period of, could, could, I mean, did you feel alone in that moment? You know, I, I feel like all too often when we're going through challenges, we think we're the only ones going through this. And that's kind of what makes it feel so helpless to the point where when you're finally out of that challenge, you're like, maybe there's other people going through the sure. same thing. You know, obviously I think there was a transition period there. And how did you kind of go from where you were there in that basement to yeah. other people are doing that, you know, having right. this problem and, and I can help. Yeah. So let me go back to the oak analogy in a forest of oaks. We usually see an oak tree here and there because we live, you know, probably in you know America or, you know, somewhere where there's just like neighborhoods and, but, but in a forest <laughs> of actual oak trees, um, it, so the oak tree first sends the vertical root to a source of water and then it starts to send out the horizontal roots. And in a forest, those root systems actually combine together and they draw strength from one another. And there is not an independent oak tree in a forest. They are all interdependent. And so in that moment where I realized that I didn't have to be a victim to this circumstance, I began reaching out probably in a pathetic way to some. And I began asking as many friends and family members and work associates. And I just asked them for help. I had a coach who coached me for free, which I will forever be grateful for. My siblings, my parents, people at church. I just started asking 
I started sending out as many horizontal roots as I could to combine and get a team around me. Our environment will always be stronger than our willpower. And I knew that I needed to have a really strong environment of people that could see things in me that I couldn't see in myself, which is why I now am a coach because I can see things in others and I want to give back to them as so many gave back uh, to me when I needed it the most. I think that's great. I, I didn't know that about the oak tree, actually. Yeah. That's, I think that's a powerful analogy. Yep. And one thing I've learned over the, the last several years too, is the power and importance of an accountability partner, not just a coach, but someone that you can sit with and say, this is what you need to work on, or this is what I see you can improve on. And then someone to go back and actually talk to about those issues, whether it's health, mm -hmm. you know, professional, personal, and I'm sure the coaching that you do, I assume it covers all range of yeah. things as far as professional or right. personal, right? Can you talk a little bit about that as far as like some of what you've seen either in your own coaching or in others coaching that kind of the transformational process that that comes when you have someone that you're being accountable to? Yeah. Let me tell a story. One day as an adult, I had the opportunity to drive with just me and three of my four siblings in a car with no one else. Like usually there's children or there, you know, there's other people, but we were driving to the funeral of our uncle and I said to them, I said, you know, I recognize now and I'm the youngest. So this is, takes a lot of humility. I, I, I said, I, I recognize that as independent as I've tried to be most of my life, that there are things about myself that I can't see. There are blind spots and I'm giving all three of you. And then I later gave my other sister permission. I said, I'm giving all three of you permission at any time to call me out. If I am showing up in a way that's not in alignment with who, you know, that I can be. I said, if in the moment I take offense, it doesn't mean I don't want it. You just may need to come back to me later because I'm giving you all permission. I might, I might get offended. I might be a little sensitive about it, but so I, I asked them for that. And so now when I'm struggling, I don't have to go to them directly. They, they may come to me first and we all need, whether it's a family member or a friend or a mentor or a coach, someone that can hold that space for us and help us see what we can't having that again, offensive coordinator in the booth, the football stadium, looking down and seeing something that maybe we can't see because we're on the field, looking at it straight on. I think that's great advice. Cause I think you're right. I think oftentimes those who are closest to us, there's a feeling that they don't want to hurt our feelings. Right. right. And, and I'm sure there are people out there that are a little brutal in their constructive criticism. Right. But I, I think it was really cool and a great piece of advice that you just, that you just gave right there is to give them permission. Like, Hey, you can, you can tell me this and yeah. just, I might put up that defense mechanism, but give me a second. Let, let me process it. I think that's great. Yeah. That's it, awesome. It's challenging because you have to set your, your ego aside who you think you are. Right. Not, not, not talking about the pride ego, but like we have this image of who we think we are and that's, that's the ego. And we have to set that aside and say, you know, like maybe, maybe I, I need to show up differently and, and it does hurt because the ego's dying. When you're feeling like you're getting your feelings hurt, know that that's a good thing. I remember as a kid crashing on my rollerblades or my bike and I loved in some sick way, I loved pouring hydrogen peroxide on my wound and just watching the infection and all the gooey, nasty stuff come up. Like I just would do it over and over and over again until it was clear. And again, like that, that may be sick to you, but, um, just that, that process of like recognizing that this, this pain 
when you're feeling hurt, this pain is actually probably purifying you. It's probably cleansing and bringing all the icky stuff to the surface. And that's okay. And just scrape it off and just keep going until eventually it doesn't hurt anymore because you're not taking it personally. It doesn't mean anything about you. It's just helping you. Yeah. What, as you go through challenges now in your daily life, obviously none of us are immune to challenges. Right. Where are you looking, uh, you know, if you don't mind sharing, where do you look for that continual source of strength? Obviously we've talked about coaching and family, but is there something that you always come back to and, you know, during those hard times? Mm -hmm. So just as of yesterday, our, our, we're recording this on the 2nd of January. So yesterday was, was New Year's Day, and I, I had some quiet time. I was driving, having dropped my daughters off. I was driving back, and there was something that was going on that was bringing some feelings of frustration and resistance and, and anger to me. And I, I, I saw that in myself, and I implemented what, what I call my book, Surrender, and surrender, again, comes from the French word sur, which means over, and rendre, which means to give back. Now, normally we think surrender is giving up, but it actually is to give back. Sur means over, and rendre means to give back. So it's to give back over. And so in that moment, when I was feeling the frustration, the resistance, I said, you know what? I want to give this back over to, you can call it the universe, you can call it God. For me, I'm like, listen, this isn't... I didn't create this situation. I'm just in it and I'm going to give it away. I'm going to give it back over to a power beyond my own. And when I stopped resisting in that moment, I was able to find that, that calm and that, that peace and recognize that I wasn't going to allow whatever was going on to ruin the rest of my, the first day of this new year. So <clears throat> that, that was a recent happening as of yesterday of me having, having to implement the, you know, that process of surrender. That's awesome. Process of surrender. You got to just sometimes accept and give back. There you go. Just give it back. Give it back wherever it came from. Now, you mentioned you had three children prior mm -hmm. to um, this trial. Yeah. Uh, are you you're remarried now with, with more children? Is that the case? Yes. So as of the time of this recording, we have a, a cute little baby. And it's really fun because when my wife and I go out somewhere, people... They always say, oh my gosh, is, is that your first? And we look at each other and we kind of smile. And then I, we say, no, this is our seventh. And then they're like, how Oof. do you two have seven kids? Because my wife looks really young. And I say, well, that's a conversation for another day. And my wife rolls her eyes because she thinks I'm you know, kind of dumb and cheesy. And then I say, no, we, we cheated. I, I have seven kids with two wives. And then I pause and they're like, trying not to judge me. And then I say, no, 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 no. I, I was never married to both of them at the same time. I had three with oh. the first. <laughs> um, my current wife, she brought two. And then we have two together. So that's how you get seven kids. That's awesome. Well, and the reason I ask that is because a lot of our listeners are, are parents yeah. to young children. And uh, what's, if you don't mind me asking, your oldest and youngest, what's the spread there? Yeah, 15 to nine months. I didn't give you a heads up on this question. So, yeah, <laughs> but how do you, how do you go about imparting some of the wisdom of these principles to your children? Is there a little bit of that coaching mentality that comes out in, I'm sure maybe your 15 year old, is it a daughter? Yeah. Yeah. Is she kind of like, okay, dad. All right. Okay. Coach dad, like relax. You don't know what's going on or, you know, I think that's a, an important part uh, for people with young families or growing families is how do you 
transition these things that you know so much of to to someone or to the children who might think that they know a lot about it themselves? <laughs> so two thoughts on this. My dad often recites poems and he's had these poems memorized like his whole life. And one of them is in my book. And the poem is called A Sermon Scene by Edgar Guest. And it goes like this. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely show the way. The eye is a better pupil, far more willing than the ear. While well, fine counsels oft confusing, examples always clear. It continues, but I won't share the whole poem <clears throat> with you, but that gives you a, an idea. And the, the sermons that we see people live, right? Their actions, as we say, speak so much louder than words. And so my, my number one goal, as imperfect as I am as a parent, is to try to live the principles that I teach in my book. And if I see something, especially as they get older with my teenage children, because I have three teenage daughters right now, I will, I learned this from my brother, I will actually ask them, I'll say, hey, I see something that could help you right now. Would you like me to share that with you? And if they say no, it takes everything in me to shut my mouth. Because if they're not, <laughs> if they're not wanting to hear what we have to help, then I'm literally just preaching a sermon to them that's you know, bouncing off very dead, dry walls and nothing is sticking. And so I, I'm trying, and it doesn't happen all the time, but I try to ask for permission to share something I see because our coaching, my coaching clients pay me. They're asking me with money to help them see things from a different perspective. I've never once had my teenage daughters come to me with money and say, dad, I'd like to give you some money. Will you help me with this? <laughs> so I have to ask them for permission. Is there ever, is there ever that comment? I got to know, is there ever that comment of, you know, a lot of people pay good money for what I'm about to tell you. So you <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that doesn't happen because okay. they, will You're actually, strong. They, You're will, strong. they will actually say to me, like, I don't, I don't want a coach right now. I don't even want a dad, you know, like, I just want you, I just want you out. Well, you're, you're a strong man because I mean, I just have a five and a, a soon to be three-year-old here in a few days and already they're not listening to me. So part of that question is, is selfish, but I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure there's other people going through that same thing. And so I appreciate you sharing that. Yep. You're welcome. What's next for you? This was your, this book that we mentioned here today, The Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow. Mm -hmm. but that was your first book, right? Yeah. Is there, are there more in the works or what, what's the next big goal for you that you're, that you're stretching for? Yeah, there, there will be more books. There will be more speaking opportunities and podcasts and people to coach. And I have a passion project that I feel in my heart and I see in my mind's eye. And I talk about all the time with people a few years back. I actually had one of my clients say, hey, will you talk to my 18-year-old son? He just got a DUI and he's trying to finish his senior year of high school and he's really lost. And I said, I will talk to him if he wants to. So you ask him permission and, and he wanted to and he was humble. And he, uh, so I started coaching him just for free. Just, and, and then I had other people start asking, hey, will you work with my my, my nephew, my sibling. And then I had my own nieces and nephews start coming to me. And like all of a sudden I was working with like six or seven different young adults. And I just have been, I'd been doing that for years and years. And, and then I thought, you know what, why don't I make a nonprofit out of this and create, so for some tax benefits and, and that would be fun. And, and then once I get an idea, it, it goes as big as it can possibly go. And then I come back to reality. And so <laughs> 
because it, if we can think it, we can, we can, you know, hold it in our head, we can hold it in our hand, right? So I thought, why don't I create a nonprofit that provides coaching to young adults and make it as big as like the Boys and Girls Club of America? Because if people are willing to donate their time and adopt a kid after school, one day a week or a month or however that works, I bet there are coaches and mentors and people all around the country that would love to adopt and help a young adult. So I am building a nonprofit that provides coaching, retreats, podcasts, books, opportunities for group coaching, learning experiences for those that aren't getting what they need out of traditional schooling or from their their family and, or their workplace. And so that's what I'm building out. It's a passion project of mine that can provide the mindset and the skill set to this COVID generation that is really underserved right now. Wow, that's awesome. I didn't expect that. I, I For the listener at home, these are these these are real conversations, and so I appreciate Andrew being here and sharing that with us because that hits home for me too. In my efforts to to pursue charitable things, that's something I continue to come back to as youth today's youth because if we could just if we could just help those individuals, protect them, give them every opportunity as they grow up, I feel like we would have just such a better world. And it hurts my heart that so many youth, whether it be very, very young, you know, children, infants to teenagers, it hurts my heart to know that there's people out there that don't have opportunity that no, at no fault of their own, that there's just, you know, they've been, they've been dealt a hard hand and they don't know how to face that challenge. And some of them are, are going through it and they're, they're figuring out but there's a lot of people that are surrounded by others who maybe don't know how to do that. And so they get up, they get stuck in that cycle. And so good for you, man, really, seriously, well, that's you. an awesome, an Thank you. awesome I, initiative. Yeah, you know, at this point, like I, I feel, I feel compelled. I don't know if there's a better way to say that Anthony, but I feel compelled to share with, with the listener that you don't have to wait until you have a vision standing in the Virgin river of Zion national park to write a book, which is what happened to me. You don't have to wait until you have some grand vision or until you feel like you want to start a nonprofit that provides, you know, like it, 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 that's not how it works, right? You don't just get a huge, big world changing idea. What, what happens is you just look outside yourself. And if you can stop this recording after I finish what I'm about to say and not even listen to whatever else Anthony and I say that I will be very happy. Because you can stop this recording right now and you can go serve someone. And that someone may be a text of asking for forgiveness or showing a little compassion or making a visit to a neighbor or responding to that, you know, that tough email that you've been not responding to. It doesn't have to be something big. When you lose yourself in service to others, you will find that life mission. And that to me is my challenge to you today is to go out and serve somebody. And in so doing, you will find yourself as Jesus said it best, whosoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. Amen. You said something similar at a, I was reviewing some of the podcasts you've been on and you said something, basically you said, when we stop consuming and start creating, we start seeing the good in things. And I, I feel like in a way you're, you're essentially saying that in a different way is get out there yeah. Stop thinking about yourself. Start creating value for other people. And we're not talking about monetary value, but just start creating value for others 
using what the gifts you've been given to do that. And you will find the things that make you happy. You'll find that life mission. I think that's great. Thank you. Well, Andrew, again, I appreciate you being on the show. You have this wonderful book. I'm going to put the link to Amazon in the show notes. Again, the book is called Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow, How to Find Courage and Compassion in a Turbulent World. And the book's filled with awesome principles, things that will help you really change your life and amplify it. With that book, Andrew's offering some coaching, and he actually has some opportunity today that he's offering to our listeners. He has three spots available for a 30-minute complimentary coaching call. Andrew, this sounds like an awesome opportunity. How does someone take advantage of that? Well, because I've had so many people that have gifted their time, I can't show up and not gift mine in return. And so if they want to spend 30 minutes with me talking about anything going on in life or business or family, whatever it is that they're going through, they can just go to 30 minutes. So three, zero minutes, 30 minutes.andrewlanderson.com. And there's a link to my calendar. And I'd love to spend time with the first three people. Awesome. And please, if you're, if you're at home and, and you're looking for an opportunity and really see that you need to shift some things in your life, please take advantage of Andrew's offer because I think that's that's kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity to sit down with someone in a non-judgmental zone. And again, whether it's no matter what aspect of life, I, I, I assume, Andrew, they can just kind of talk to you and, and, yeah. and get some incredible value out of that. Absolutely. Okay. Well, my friends at home, Andrew L. Anderson, Again, the author of Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow, How to Find Courage and Compassion in a Turbulent World. Thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us today. And you've made a raving fan out of me. Thank you. I look forward to seeing everything you're doing and following, especially that charitable initiative. Well done, man. Seriously. Thank you. And thank you for this um, tribe that you built and for the listener. Go serve someone. Thank you. Thank you for joining in today because pursuing a balance between family, health, and hustle can feel a little wacky sometimes. So we need to learn from each other. And with a simple click to subscribe, we'll invite you back to our next episode. In the meantime, download our free ebook, Six Secrets for Success at FamilyHealthAndHustle.com. And remember, we're on this journey together.